Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why did my f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. To another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about a Brian Pick, and let's take a. a I'm taking a pause here, because we've been mm-hmm. here before. We've been in the situation where it looks like Brian is finally making intelligent picks for us. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to applaud him too soon, but I will say that only one of his like next four picks I'm kind of not looking forward to. So Brian. Thank you for kicking off 2021 with something that is, A, very true to who you are as a person, but B, is actually something that we could have like a semi-decent conversation about, which is 1976, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. So why don't you tell us why you picked this movie? So this movie is, I'm surprised this, it took me this long to pick it. Uh, I think it's just getting used to the the show. Like I would just kind of think of like ridiculous movies and it not took so two much. years, but here we are. Honestly, all of my picks, my next few upcoming picks, I was actually genuinely shocked that they weren't done before my time. Because you guys got a long catalog. It's tough for me to go back and Why look through everything. Why do you keep everything. saying you guys? Yeah, you you're too. part of this now. You're part yeah, of it now. Yeah, but your, your original catalog I wasn't a part of. And it's a lot to go through in my mind. So I never really do. I made you a list. I know you did. <laughs> it's, but it's reading. Uh, I have to sound out every word. It's difficult. But anyway, so Town of Georgia Sundown is one of my favorite horror movies. And I do want to get this out of the way. I understand this movie is very, very inappropriate. And not in like, it's not problematic in the way that you think. It's it's more problematic because it's a true crime story that really hyper-focuses on the murders and the victims. And then like, they try to do like, 
some like humor, like add some like humor for effect. And it's like, you know, these are people's lives. <laughs> Cause like there, <laughs> there's some stuff that was edited for Hollywood, but for the most part, like the murders, they're, they're real, <laughs> you know, like people are murdered. People actually died <laughs> for this movie. Yeah. yeah. But I, there's just something so charming about it. I mean, I fell in love as soon as, I don't know if you guys ever saw, um, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. It's like a old mafia movie, but uh, no. it's the same thing. Like, I just love that like documentary narration. That was I don't know my what it is. First, my first note is I love old 70s narration, like mm-hmm. old 70s film narration. Now, the big difference is that like, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was smart in just having it up in the front and then nowhere else in the movie. I don't think I need it like the daily updates from the narrator mm-hmm. throughout the film. But I do enjoy, like you said, like the true crime aspect that it does feel like you're watching a documentary or that you're watching this recreation. But I also agree with you that like the humor beats are all weird. Like they don't mm-hmm. really have any place in the movie. And I can never tell if it's padding time or if it's just trying to like lighten the darkness of the film. I don't know. This movie is, it's a very strange movie. And I know that you actually love both versions of Town That Dreaded Sundown. Oh, yeah. But, like, even you were, like, kind of, hey, the remake is actually too good of a movie, whereas yeah. this has, you like, some, some issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, there's not, there's there's a lot, there's a lot that you can bust on in this. You know what I mean? This is, like, if you notice, I say this is one of my favorite horror movies. I don't say it's one of the best. Yeah. Like, I'm well aware. <laughs> yeah, those yeah. things don't have to be the same. There's a Venn yeah. diagram, guys. Good movies and movies we love. Yeah. And the the hardest thing is for us to pinpoint where in the center of that diagram we can sit with the show. It's just so funny because this movie does so many things right and so many things wrong simultaneously that it's almost <laughs> impressive. I think that's just pure adrenaline. Yeah, like I've said before, like I think that the reveal of the ki- of the Phantom Killer when he slams down that car hood and it's a quick zoom in on his eyes through that burlap sack mask, like mm-hmm. that is great. That is like great filmmaking. It's well shot. It's like intense. It kind of burns into your memory. Like I know that that's good filmmaking because I remember it so much more vividly in my head than what it actually is when I rewatch the movie. Like it's just a well done scene. But then like 10 minutes later, you have like the deputy standing in the rain doing the most over the top dramatic head shake as the Phantom Killer (laughs) evades him that you're just like, well, what the shit was that? For everything that yeah. works, there's two things that don't. <laughs> yeah, and like the fucking scene where the deputy has to dress up as a woman and then he's getting felt up by the other guy in the car. That whole scene really doesn't work for me. That's that's um, probably the biggest scene to go back to what Brian said where I'm watching that and it's like, you know, actual people die. Yeah. You're about the you're showing us this wacky like what would be a scene out of Porky's in the middle of this movie, right before we tell the actual story of how a 15-year-old girl was murdered. Like, this is so uneven in the way that it tells this stuff. It's the same reason that, like, Wolves at the Door, I feel like, didn't work as a movie. Especially when you're dealing with, like, the, you're making a movie about the Manson family, right? And the movie starts and the whole focus is Sharon Tate's house. Like, to me, that's bad taste as opposed to, like... If that was a scene in the movie and the movie was focused on the Manson family or like Zodiac, Zodiac, where it's like focused on this guy trying to find the Zodiac, like 
don't make the victims the fucking center point of a true yeah. story. You know I, what I, I mean? I don't know what the deal is. They always call them the Keystone Cops, but I don't know why that was such a big thing in the 70s. There's so many, like, even something as, like, uncomfortable to watch as, like, Last House on the Left has these weird comedy scenes with the cops. Like, I don't know yeah. why. Why, like, the 70s I, I were, blame, like, we gotta make the jokes. I fucking Andy Griffith. Yeah. Andy Griffith yeah. show, man. <laughs> That's actually a really good fucking take. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Well, golly. Still, like, talking about, like, how it does something so good and then follows it up with something so absurd is, like, the scene that I just referenced after the... You go from, like what Scott said, the deputies in drag getting felt up, and that's awkward and not very well done. Then you have this incredible... I would say one of the most incredible, like, stunt scenes where you've got a dude just dangling off of a car door trying to throw someone out of the car. And it's like, man, this movie was made for fucking nothing. So this is a oh, really yeah. impressive... Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a real stuntman. That was just a dude that was like, okay, I guess I'm going to hold on for well, dear life. So it kind of was. Um, and the only reason I say that is because I was doing, as I was like looking up information on the people that were in this movie, the actor who played the Phantom Killer is a stuntman. Like he still continues to do stunt work to this day. So like that was a good casting choice to just be like, hey, we never need to see this guy's face. We never need to hear him talk. Let's just get a stunt actor so we can have him do some crazy ass shit throughout the movie. But you have that incredible scene but then you follow it up with the trombone kill which like we yeah. i mean we can digest the trombone kill for like 10 minutes but the biggest insult about the trombone kill and i didn't get a ton of information but i did read that one of the victims families sued the movie because of how it was presented as what really happened and i was like the trombone kill is so absurd that there has to be some like lingering element of something to, to explain it. So I googled about this particular woman and her death. Here's where I got almost offended. She was a saxophone player. And oh, was, come on! And there was a big deal that they couldn't find the saxophone for months after her death. Like, they found it, like, six or seven months later, hidden in the bushes. But that's, like, the director was just like, saxophone, huh? What hmm. other band instruments could I use to murder somebody with? And it's like, that is so, like, for a movie that sticks pretty tight to, like, timelines and situations, to suddenly just be like, yeah, but I really want to see someone tie a knife to the end of a trombone and just stab someone a bunch of times with it. Is I thought just that insane. scene was so absurd the first time, and I was like, well... It had to be real. Like, yeah. uh, I was like, that had to be what the guy did. Because I, I thought that it was stupid the first time. And the second time watching it, I was like, you know, I could see someone who's, like, really sadistic being like, this This would be funny to them. I don't think of it as a funny scene. I think of it as, like, a really sadistic scene. Yeah. Because it's yeah. almost humiliating in that way. And mm -hmm. that's what the Phantom Killer is. He's completely brutal, completely sadistic. He has no motive. It's just literally killing when he gets the chance. He's just out prowling. Yeah. yeah, but that's the other thing. The flip side of that is like, I, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but I uh, found myself on a, a pretty deep dive into like the whole murder case after watching this just to try to like piece together the movie versus the reality a little bit. And, I did like, a few years ago, but it's if I know that they think that they caught the guy, which was they made reference to in the movie. 
that's yeah. like their prime suspect, but I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah, the it's guy's been like never been years. caught. But they were saying that like whoever this guy was, it was both spur of the moment, but also very meticulously planned out. Like, mm-hmm. like he always knew where to go based on where the cops were currently hiding out. Essentially, yeah. like he always knew the right spots to be and like where to go. And then like he kind of disappeared because someone had escaped that he was afraid like he left too much evidence and then he just stopped doing it or as they said in the end some people believe he just got caught for a whole different crime and yeah. made sure to keep his mouth shut because i read about that guy the, there's even a couple books that all say that they are almost positive it was him but he was like he got pulled over for stealing a car and he asked how many if he would get the electric chair and they're like we don't give the electric chair for stealing cars and he's like i don't think you realize what else you've got me for and that was all he said. And then shortly thereafter, people stopped getting murdered in Texas and Arkansas. So they uh, they think that that may have been like a subtle admission of guilt. But the kills in this movie, it's so weird because like the special effects aren't there. You know what I mean? Like it's a low budget movie. You really don't get a whole lot. But like some of the squib work is insane. Well, yeah. the the kill we haven't got to to my like to me is the best scene in the movie. And, and and as much as like the opening shot of him slamming the hood is fucking awesome, him barging into the fucking screen door, like that whole scene is my favorite. Yeah, scene in the that movie. squib shot at the wife yeah. when she's by is insane. Yeah. How good that looks! Yeah, completely intense. And that scene is very and and that's what makes the like comedic beats so stressful. Is like I get that you've got these intense scenes and you kind of want to like lighten the mood a little bit. But there's definitely better routes than, like, drag and slapstick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they were thinking, oh, man, we got to lighten this up because it's super dark. Let's go super light. They they So the pendulum swang so far to the other side that it's just, it, it almost makes a mockery of the negativity in the movie. It's a dark-ass movie, though. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a movie that I would pick of my own volition ever again i mean seeing it twice is enough i think it's important now my flip side is and i texted brian about this when i was watching it last night and i think it's because of the narration but like this is a movie that if i found out that like the local drive-in was doing this and another feature i would be interested in seeing it in a drive-in setting i feel like it would even amplify the intensity in a drive-through like set a drive-in like setting yeah because they get killed in cars i mean yeah so that's the, I think that's the most likely time that I will rewatch this is when it inevitably plays at a drive-in. Guys, I got an idea. Okay, uh, do any of us live in a state where you aren't allowed to conceal carry? I'm about to live in one where it's a little bit more complicated. Okay, well, then what they should do is they should have it at a drive-in in your state and fucking have somebody dress up as a phantom killer and just, like, walk around scratching on doors and shit. (laughs) (laughs) My dad told me a story one time, and I never know the validity of this story, but I want to believe that it's true, that he went to see uh, the original Night of the Living Dead at a drive-in, and the place that it was, the screen was, like, up in the woods, essentially, and then, like, where all the cars were, it was, like, cleared out. And that the drive-in had hired people to slowly emerge from the woods. Oh, God. During the movie and walk past all the cars. I don't know how true that is, but I would love to do that. <laughs> like, I, would, I would have more comfort doing that because you have to be, to be like, oh, let me get my gun. Zombies are here. As opposed to like, 
I've seen enough horror movies where it's not out of the realm of possibility that a copycat killer dresses up and kills people at the showing of the movie. You no, know, like, I mean, we've learned that it could be a child and he just frames his twin brother for doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> man. But the bigger thing I think is two is twofold. One is the fact that even if there were zombies, people would just jump, you know, they'd be roided out dudes and, and <laughs> drunk rednecks that would be like, finally get to have my murder boner satisfied, <laughs> you know, like, but also here's the thing that, is confusing to me or or just you know kind of twists my brain a little bit you know you work in a haunt there are people that we know that, that we've met through conventions that work at haunts we know people that work that own haunts do you pat people down for guns because like take one drunk redneck or one asshole that's like trigger happy and and they're gonna shoot a fucking actor yeah I, I mean, I've never been patted down, but also they probably just look at me and are like, yeah, no, he's cool. Who, <laughs> <laughs> Shy Ronnie? Yeah, he's fine. Let him in. <laughs> I, I want to talk about, because the movie has a couple fabricated scenes, but the last scene is so fully fabricated. The swamp? Uh, just the whole idea that he's just walking around in daylight with a fucking burlap mask. Yeah. Well, let's be fair here. He was walking around in daylight, and they just color coded it so it looked like it was winter or nighttime uh, in the rain scene earlier on. Yeah, but yeah. I'm talking about like the chase scene where they're just like, "Huh, I see this car. Here's the footprints. There he is, just wandering around in a mask." And then there's and like a whole chase scene. He jumps behind the train. And then Brian, uh, just the, the quickest eye in the game. Dude, it wasn't that quick. It was like three seconds long, and I was like, holy shit. And then I had to, yeah, just to interject with Matt, if you watch this movie towards the end when the train is separating them and he's running away, you will see a shirtless Matthew McConaughey in Days to Confuse holding a camera <laughs> on the train. Uh, so when you sent us that screenshot, I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then I watched the movie that night and I was like, yep, solemn. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will say something in defense of them about that fabrication at the end is there's really no way to end it. Yeah, so you kind no of have to make something. Story. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you have to add something as opposed to like, then he almost killed this woman and didn't. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you mean the Brian Kelly way of ending movies? <laughs> and that's yeah. the end of the movie. <laughs> That's well. That's if I ever write a movie. That's what the last person on camera is gonna say. <laughs> it's gonna be like a super serious doc, and then yeah. you're just gonna be like, "And that's the end of the movie." Yeah. But no, good pick. I mean, I it was it was fun to revisit. It's a quick watch. It's like an hour and eighty eight minutes. Or, Jesus, I did that math wrong. It's about eighty eight minutes long. If <laughs> you could drop the hour in my previous sentence, but yeah, it's it's fine. It's very of the of its time. Uh-huh, I love. I know, yes, you do. It's keeping you wide <laughs> they awake. They also love naps, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got one thing to say about this movie, and, and about our podcast in, in a, a more specific manner. But the the voiceover says, a terror is so indelibly printed. And people say we're not a cultured podcast? Yo, fuck you! <laughs> yeah, how dare they? So the guy who did this, Charles P. Pierce, did a couple... That's a serial killer name if they're... Oh, uh, you're going to take my double feature. 
Oh, never mind. Then we won't say anything. Yeah. But I, I was gonna Brian say gets to do his double feature first. He gets to do his double feature Dumb first. Dumb shit. I was just saying that his career has had some ups and downs. Mm-hmm. The Blu-ray actually comes with another one of his movies, but it's That's not my... the movie he's most famous for, <laughs> which is weird. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why did my f- facing Floyd Mayweather in the f- Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Brian, how about you go first with your double feature before I say what his big, his other big movie was? So his double feature I've actually never seen, but I've been meaning to see it. I just, I would have to pick it for the show and I would never do that because I've heard enough about it. But I would double feature this with The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yep. 1972 fake documentary about Bigfoot. I feel like in 2021 or 2022, we are at a point in our show where we're not actually going to be losing any listeners. Yeah. If you pick something that absurd. So... You know, go nuts, right. my friend. I'll, I'll tell you what, I will do I'll do what Scott does because Scott cares about us more than I care about us. I will watch <laughs> this movie first. All right. So, so. And then make a decision. I just want to throw in some fun facts here. So, he made The Legend of Boggy Creek in 1972. And it's actually a pretty cool looking poster. It's just sundown and it's some type of Bigfoot creature running through the water. But in 19. 19- 85 when i was born he made boggy creek 2 the legend continues oh and, no brian that's what you need to watch and, and, and the poster <laughs> and the poster for that one is a sun setting over the mountains and it looks like bigfoot is running with a child bigfoot in yeah. <laughs> oh yes um, all right it, guys but then there was this fun fact it says despite the title the film is actually the third in the film franchise <laughs> following 1977's return to boggy creek but apparently that was directed by somebody else, and he was just like, fuck you, I'm the creator of Boggy Creek, so I'm going to decide when part two is. Also, just throwing that out there, uh, in his random movies, in between Boggy Creek, but before Town That Dreaded Sundown, uh, he was the set decorator for Black Belt Jones. So, Dude, I gotta watch the sequel now. Yeah, dude just bounced around in careers. But the Scream Factory Blu-ray of Town That Dreaded Sundown came with a movie called The Evacuators which was his crime horror film starring Vic Morrow uh, and Jessica Harper. 
it doesn't look that good or interesting. But it's Jessica Harper, so I know that you're happy. Yes, no, I'm glad that I have that on, on Blu-ray because I bought this on Blu-ray. But I know that I probably watched it, but I don't remember a damn thing about it. I, I'm doing Friday the 13th Part 2 just because it's another baghead killer. Okay, fair oh, enough. Nice. And, and I was going with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre because it has that sweet narration in the front, and they are both very low-budget movies. Well, I fuck picked it, then Boggy we can... Creek for that reason because I knew that that's... That would be yours. I didn't want to take it from you. Uh, you could also it. do TCM two. I mean, I would I, I would never turn down TCM two. So, you know, if if you wanted to be like, let's watch Talented Let, Dreaded Sundown, both versions, and then we watch TCM one and TCM two, make a whole fucking day. Dude, of that's it. a fucking day. I love it. So, Brian, is there anything that you watched or listened to or whatever that you want to say? Yo, this was pretty good. Yeah, man. I watched for the first time. It's like a 10-year-old movie, but I, I finally watched True Grit. I was just in like a cowboy type mood. I personally enjoyed it. I don't know who I who I knew saw it. Maybe it was you. Someone was not too big on it. I, know, uh, I liked it. I, it it's okay. not one I'd ever revisit because I'm not a Western guy, but mm-hmm. like I'll watch anything the Coen brothers make just out of curiosity. And that's I think that's the thing where people don't like it that much because it's definitely far from one of the best Coen Brothers movie. But if someone else made it, I'm like, wow, this is a really good movie. Yeah. It doesn't no, like have the feel of a Coen Brothers movie. No, it's not it's not like whimsical enough. Like yeah. I feel like their movies no matter how serious they get, there's always at least a little element of whimsy and this one doesn't have that scott how about you what did what did you watch or listen to or whatever read that you're like yo check this ish out Ugh, shit am i actually supposed to say that i want to watch this or that you should watch I this i mean shit? You could, uh, or so if here, you just... I'll, I'll give you i'll give you the shit sandwich well not the shit sandwich but i'll, I'll give you a, a, a shit open face sandwich where the shit is on the sandwich but the sandwich Bread is good. How's okay. that? Literally, I'm just going to pick. I'm going to tell you something that we watched that was fucking awful and then something that we are currently watching that is delightful. And I want to talk about the fact that the Venn diagram of my Netflix desires are hilarious. So, first of all, we I wanted to watch the new Star Wars movies. I was like, let's watch 7, 8, and 9. And Megan was like, sure, if you promise that we start from the very beginning with episode 1. And I was like, ooh. And I was like, you know what? I love Star Wars, and I love my wife. Let's do it. And Phantom Menace is some of the worst shit I've ever seen. I remember how much I hated it back then, but it is so much worse now. It is so bad. And my buddy Johnny will defend that shit till the day he dies, and it, it disgustingly bad. Okay, so this is the most shocking thing about The Phantom Menace to me, is it's very obviously a child's movie. It's a movie for mm-hmm. fucking children, and the only adults that like it were children when they watched it. That's just the, the nostalgia factor. <laughs> See? There we go. I knew that Brian would be the perfect poster child for this. Also, probably what led him to, down the path uh, of a life of drugs and crime. The thing is, is that for a movie that's supposed to be for kids, because you have characters that are literally slapstick characters, like we got Jar Jar Binks, who's a uh, racist Jamaican character. We have fish people that are racist Asian people. We have, you know, like every every alien is fucking a racist caricature. But also, this movie is so boring. For a kids movie, there's like literally no action. Action scenes are super short and it's about them like overthrowing the government. Well, that's And you the kids don't give a fuck about that. That's the that's the biggest problem with 
the prequels. And I mean, we've already done plenty of Star Wars talk early in 2021, so we'll try to keep this to a to a minimum. Oh, this is the last thing I'll say but, about. But the movie, like with George Lucas in those movies, it was like he was both trying to make a kids movie, which is one very specific genre of film, but he was also trying to make a like scathing critique of the government at that time, which is a totally different movie that you probably shouldn't try to also incorporate into your kids movie. Like it just creates such a boring, uneven combination in doing so. Yeah, the movie is so fucking boring, and we're not even done with it. it. We're like, I think we have 45 more minutes, and I'm just dead. It's so bad. But anyway, so we we tried to watch that. I think that we were punishing ourselves with that on, like, Christmas night or something. Oh, no, no, we watched Wonder Woman 84 on Christmas night, which is the other thing I wanted to talk about. Absolutely loved it. It was a great time. I made a post on my personal Facebook about how much I enjoyed it. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think that the criticisms I'm seeing from people on the internet are really brutal um i don't know why because it's i here's the thing i just wish people gave half as much of a shit about real life important things like politics and wearing a fucking mask and you know like being good people and and instead of being a shitbag about a superhero movie on the internet. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I didn't like it very much, but it didn't affect my mood for starters. <laughs> and secondly, like my opinion on that movie would be the equivalent to my mom's opinion on a horror movie. Like I don't really like super like I don't have a love for comics or superhero movies. So I'm not really one to have an opinion on the matter. I just anything that's two and a half hours, I'm going in with my hands on my hips. Uh. Oh, and here's the thing is that we watched that over the course of two nights or we watched it on Christmas night and then we finished it on on the the day of the 26th. And that made it a much easier watch because I am not sitting through a two and a half hour movie ever again if I have to. Unless I have to. And the only things that didn't like work for me were like I just didn't like the some of the. So the one thing where I was just like, man, I'm not liking this movie too much is the mall scene with the little girl. And just like the head, there was just an interaction where I'm like, I don't like this movie too much. But like, it wasn't bad. I've seen way worse superhero movies. I watched the original Incredible Hulks when I was a child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I saw those in theaters. <laughs> you know? Well, no, like the Hulk. Yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. That one is so oh. bad. But actually, the Edward Norton one's not too, not not that bad. Oh, I'm talking like the made-for-TV ones, but I did also see <laughs> the Hulk in theaters. And I perfectly timed a sonic boom fart at the quietest <laughs> part of the movie and made the entire theater laugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and even them, and I knew the signs to it. Like, I put my feet on the back of the chair in front of me. <laughs> Listen, I think the 12-year-old fun. boys know the science of farts more than anyone else in the world. It's innate. Uh, shit. Uh, all right, so for my uh, What Should You Watch This Week, this isn't like a hard recommend, but uh, it was an all right way to kill 90 minutes. Um, there was a movie on Hulu that a friend told me to check out called Plus One, and it is a pseudo-rom-com. It's not breaking any new ground. It's the typical rom-com. Who's friend. the woman in it? It's Maya it... from Pen15 and the, the main guy from The Boys. You mean Huey? Yeah. It's two friends, and all their friends are getting married, and they're the only two single friends, so they always take each other to weddings as dates, and then slowly fall in love, and that's mm. the movie. But it's fine. It's charming. It's whatever. Uh, but the big recommend, the big thing, is that Chris Ophios of 
One Hit Thunder sends me a link the other day and says, yo, we need to try to get the host of this podcast on our podcast. And it's a podcast called Bizarre Albums. Uh, and it's hosted by Tony Thaxton of uh, Motion City Soundtrack. And oh. every episode is 18 to 20 minutes long. And he just does a deep dive into the history of one weird novelty album. <laughs> so it'll be like the WWF wrestling album where Simpsons sing the blues. But the link that he sent me was for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of their shells. And it's just a 20 minute breakdown of like what studio musicians were used for the recording of that. Like how they promoted the album, who created the album, why they created the album. Sometimes there's like brief little interview clips that he'll do with the people who worked on the production, but he keeps it down to a tight 20 minutes. And that thing is fantastic for wonder woman. 84, he just released an episode on Linda Carter's lone album that she put out in the 70s. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, it's just always, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So uh, I definitely recommend it because they are just fun little bite-size podcast content. So Bizarre Albums is I'll check it out. Search. <laughs> I own Simpsons Sing the Blues. I do, too. <laughs> no, I owned it at one point, and then you took it from me. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Not only the grudges. So one thing I want to ask you, Matt, is uh, did you watch Holiday? I did. It was good. I, like, I, the thing with Holiday is, like, because we, we were talking about that. Was, I was talking about this with someone else, and I was like, it's, like, kind of a Christmas rom-com, but it also covers every other holiday because yeah, it, it takes it a whole year. Yeah, it covers every holiday. Yeah, so it's, like, it's... I don't know if I would consider, like, I don't know if it would become, like, a yearly Christmas watch as much as it would just be, like, a, hey, I need a rom-com to put on in the background. But it was fun. It was a lot more filthier than I expected it to be. <laughs> I didn't realize it was an R when I put it on. I was like, oh, there's a lot of graphic talk about sex in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> they want me to put my what in what? <laughs> All right. Well, that was Town That Dreaded Sundown. Tune in next week when we talk about a demon that takes over your nightmares. Wind. Um, yeah. but <laughs> No, that was when you were watching the Hulk in theaters. <laughs> uh, but it's maybe not the demon that takes over your nightmares that you're thinking it is. So stay tuned for that, and we will be back next week with another episode of Horror Movie Night. <laughs> listening to the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Baby, come, baby, baby, come, 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 baby, come, baby, baby, come. 
At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.